Hello, everybody. Welcome to Midnight Radio. I'm your host, Jerry Adams. I have some stories I want to go over with you today. First of all, this is a murder of a man who murdered his whole family. And I never heard of it until today. Maybe you have. I don't know. This is in the United States. And the headline is graphic autopsy photo shown on the third day of Mason's Sisk family murder trial. So the Sisk family murder trial, this did not get to my part of the United States. Inside a Limestone County courtroom today during day two of the retrial for Mason Sisk, the teenager accused of killing five family members. Way 31's Alex Torres Perez stepped out of the courtroom with what happened today. Well, Dan Marie, I just learned that that jury is having a brief recess after seeing that body camera footage of several deputies and after a very graphic morning of having to see autopsy photos. Now, um, the judge warned everyone three separate times about how graphic these photos were. Um, they gave people a ch- and gave people a chance to leave that courtroom before those photos were shown. It included photos of six-year-old Grayson Kane, four-year-old Aurora, and six-month old Colson. Now the family obviously upset by seeing those images and the judge did have a family member escorted out of the room because they just couldn't hold back their emotions and understandably so. Um, You could also tell that Mason was disturbed by the images. He kept his head low, kept his eyes away from the the screen. His hand was blocking part of the view. Um, I even noticed a few moments when he was even swallowing back some emotions and as I looked a lot on the jury I could see a few members actually glance over at Mason when these photos were being shown, but I really couldn't tell what they were thinking or feeling at that time. Now, this doctor who performed the autopsy says that all five victims died from a gunshot wound to the head. The manner of death was ruled a homicide. Some of those victims even showed evidence of being shot within three feet and soot was found in one of the baby's gunshot wounds, meaning the gun was only a foot away. Now, despite this emotionally heavy day, the jury is still inside. And I actually just got word that court was adjourned for the day. So the jury will be returning back tomorrow. I'll go over more over the testimony that they heard this afternoon uh, later on on Wait 31 News at 5. Reporting live in Athens, Alex Torres Perez, Wait 31 News. All right. So after her report... And that was Alex Torres Perez. I'm wondering when this actually happened. So everything she said is in this report. But when did this when did this happen? He killed his family. And they're not saying when the murder took place. Just what happened this day. This is uh tight. The information on this is tight. The Mason-Sisk family, let me look for this real quick. Mason-Sisk is accused of killing his father, John Wayne-Sisk, 38, his stepmother, Mary-Sisk, 35, and three siblings, a six-year-old boy, Kane-Sisk, a four-year-old girl, a four-year-old girl, Aurora-Sisk, and a six-month-old baby, Colin-Sisk. January 13th, 2023. Here's a timeline right here. I'm going to put links to everything in the show notes below. Late in the evening on September 2nd, 2019, 
So what happened in 2019? The Limestone County Sheriff's Office was called to home on Ridge Road in Elkmont, where they found John Wayne Sisk, 38, Mary Sisk, 35, and three children, six-year-old Kane, four-year-old Aurora, and six-month-old Colson, all had been shot in the head and killed. Mason Sisk was just 14 years old that night, yet investigators say he eventually confessed to shooting them. Those statements would eventually become a point of contention for both Sisk's legal team and the prosecution. Here's a timeline of the events from that night up until Sisk's capital murder trial, which began on September 12, 2022. And it's still going. September 3rd, on a quiet Tuesday night in Elkmont, around 10 p.m., 14-year-old Mason Sisk was running away from the house where he, his three younger siblings, stepmom, and father lived. He would tell authorities that he was in the basement of the house when he heard gunshots and ran out the door. After pointing out some discrepancies in his story, investigators with the Limestone County Sheriff's Office said Sis confessed to shooting his entire family. Deputies stated they believe the teen used a 9mm handgun in the shooting and tossed it before calling 911. They said the gun was recovered from the side of a nearby road Tuesday morning after the teen told investigators where he had thrown it. It was not clear to who the apparent murder weapon belonged. Sisk's probationary record. Sisk's probationary report from the Tennessee Valley Juvenile Detention Center states he did not have a prior delinquency record. He was written up twice while there and received several warnings or reminders for unacceptable behavior which the report states was primarily for talking without permission. Sisk appeared to be a normal 14-year-old, both mentally and physically, according to the probation officer's report. He followed directions, did his schoolwork, and interacted well with others. He also received honor resident status twice, which granted him the highest level of privileges. Officials said Sisk was given a mental evaluation. The court found there was no indication he was mentally impaired. The probation officer who wrote the report did recommend transferring Sisk's case over to the adult court system due to the severity of the crimes. In 2020, Sisk was formally charged as an adult in the murders of his five family members. Indictment on January 27, 2021. Court documents were filed stating that the then 16-year-old was indicted on capital murder charges. Okay, that makes sense because that is where I read his story earlier about him doing this. It said January 2021. So this happened in 2019. Shortly before the indictment was handed down, Sisk's defense attorney had filed a motion citing the teen's Sixth Amendment right to speedy trial. The trial is set. November 1st, 2021 was announced as the official trial date in the April in April of the same year, according to Sisk's attorney. Just a few months earlier, Limestone County Judge Robert Baker would push that date back to February 28th. Since the current judge on the case would be retiring around the same time of the trial, a plea date was scheduled to be held ahead of that trial on February 9th. Yet the trial would be delayed one more time at a February hearing, with the new date set for September 12th, 2022. During that hearing, the court conferred with attorneys in sometimes whispered tones. 
Though it wasn't clear what was discussed, the topic of mental competence to stand trial was one of the subjects. New defense. In a March 2022 court filing, Sisk requested new counsel due to the fact that his current defense was running for district attorney. Court documents show Sisk has expressed misgivings about Lucas Beatty's political campaign to become Limestone County District Attorney. Beatty filed a motion to withdraw Tuesday. The Limestone County District Attorney Office is prosecuting Sisk. Beatty's motion says Sisk asked Beatty to withdraw from his case and he requested a different attorney to work with Sizemore. Given the severity of the case, the undersigned feelings like the defendant should have nothing but complete confidence and trust in his attorney, the filing argued. Shortly after the request was filled, court records would show that J. Shea Golden was officially appointed to represent the team moving forward. And this is titled Peanut Butter and Coffee. Some of Sisk's behaviors were detailed in court filings, including the attempted poisoning of his stepmother with peanut butter. Is that even possible? The court record showed malicious acts that led to the murders of five of his family members and revealed new information about Mason's behavior at home. District attorneys say Mason knowingly put peanut butter in his stepmother's coffee despite her severe allergy to peanuts. The discovery filing also alleges Mason threatened his father and stepmother and was forceful with his siblings at home and also stated that he had anger control issues with his brother. Prosecutors say Mason stole two rings from his stepmother, gave them away, and stole a gun from his grandmother's house. Suppress the confession. In early August 2022, Sisk's defense filed a motion to throw out his confession. They argued that on the night of the murders, 14-year-old Sisk was questioned by multiple Limestone County Sheriff's deputies without being read as Miranda rights or officials attempting to contact family and DHD. Now, according to the information I got from yesterday during his trial, it took him nine minutes before they realized that he wasn't a witness, that he was actually a suspect. So perhaps they're talking about that nine-minute, six-minute window. The defense said Sisk was detained by law enforcement for two hours at the scene before being taken to the sheriff's office. The state guard, that at the time Sisk was not in custody, when he was the state argued that at the time Sisk was not in custody when he was placed in handcuffs and put into a patrol car. They also claim he was not interrogated or pressured by law enforcement to give a confession at the sheriff's office. Law enforcement witnesses also testified Sisk was free to leave while at the scene. On September 8th, Limestone County judge ruled Sisk's statements would be allowed in the murder trial, he also ruled to allow certain medical reports and coroner's reports into trial after the defense, and those records may have been withheld from them for an extended period of time. Right, and the report I read before this about the trial, it said that all the family members died from one gunshot to the head, except for the mother and the six-year-old baby who died in her arms. They each got two shots. And it showed that he was just three feet away from the baby. Horrible. Horrible story. I have an update to the bed bug story. Let me get that for you. 
where are we here? Here we go. Remember we had a bed, bed bug story from last week where there's a man who died in his prison cell from being eaten up by bed bugs. Now, he was in the psychiatric holding facility. He was only in jail because of, I mean only, but it was a misdemeanor of what some form of domestic violence. And his time was extended because, uh, let's say he wasn't exactly sane. His name was LaShawn Thompson. And there's been a new turn in the case, I should say. Now we have new developments in the death of a Fulton County Jail inmate. LaShawn Thompson was found dead in his cell in September, covered in bed bugs. The Fulton County Medical Examiner has not been able to determine cause of death. But now Thompson's family says former NFL quarterback Colin Kaepernick will pay for an independent autopsy to try to pinpoint how Thomas died. The family says that Thompson's body had more than a thousand bites and that his cell was, quote, a death chamber. Sheriff Patrick Labatt's working to improve conditions at the jail. This week, he announced the resignations of the top three jail officials. County commissioners also approved a $5.3 million spending request from the sheriff. Labatt told Channel 2 Action News the money will enhance safety and security for inmates and help clean the jail's medical and mental health cells. I told you that it was a funding issue before. It was really apparent to me these people lost their jobs. Uh, million. See what happens when you defund the police? Where did this take place at Fulton County, which is where? Atlanta. Hello. They they defunded the police, and this is what happened. That's clear to me. And now they're having to refund, and this isn't just going to happen in uh, Atlanta, Georgia. It's going to happen all over the United States. And, you know... Wow. So they, I see the problem was created. And now Colin Kaepernick is paying and is blamed on race is what it's looking like to me. And now they're going to, they causing the problem and they're going to sell you the cure. Good for them. So that, that's more to that story. Um, I'll tell you what, this is horrible. Mother and daughter found killed with axe inside their family home. This happened in Roselle, New Jersey. A suspected killer is in custody in Maryland after a mother and daughter were found dead inside a home in Roselle, New Jersey on Wednesday. The gruesome discovery made at a home on West 7th Avenue it was believed to be the result of a domestic dispute, authorities said. Natasha Scott, the sister-in-law of the woman who was murdered, told Eyewitness News reporter Tony Yates that Keisha Morrison and her nine-year-old daughter were killed with an axe. Scott says her brother Gary Morrison is loving and that he adored his wife Keisha, their daughter Kelsey, and the rest of the their older children, a blended family. She says giving was in his heart, which is why she says he did not hesitate to let his half-brother, Elroy Morrison, live in the basement for two years because he was down on his luck. But the family says that all turned ugly when the couple's older daughters and their mother expressed concern. She said she wanted him out. He says he would leave before the end of the month, but he didn't. He didn't leave. He murdered them. According to the family, Kelsey's older sister, 
called their father, Gary Morrison, Wednesday morning and said that when they woke up, they discovered blood on the walls of their little sister's bedroom. They say the older sisters were afraid and hid in a room while their uncle went upstairs. The father then came home, and after a brief conversation with his brother, Gary went upstairs and found a bloody axe under a mattress and his wife and daughter both dead and wrapped in sheets under a bed. As police were arriving, the family say the uncle fled in his sister-in-law's car and made it down to Maryland, where police confirmed that he was arrested. Now, eyewitness news is affecting, is awaiting official confirmation from the Union County Prosecutor's Office on those details as well as any charges against Elroy. I'm going to call him Elroy. Evan Roy. Evroy. Roselle schools were briefly locked down Wednesday with students sheltered in place out of concerns of a possible crime. The lockdowns were lifted in the afternoon after there was deemed no threat to the public. Neighbors said the victims were a loving family and they were always traveling and doing things together. It's heartbreaking. Who does that to a family, period? But to a baby girl who's defenseless? I'm in the military, so it's hard to see this. I will never get used to having to face something like this. A former neighbor named Rosie said, See, this happened with an axe. It was an axe murder. It had nothing to do with a gun. The other one happened with bed bugs. I wonder, I'll tell you what, the bed bugs is something else. I wonder how many people have died from bed bugs, although we don't really know that that's exactly why he died yet. Now, this one is from New York City, and this is very disturbing, too. New York City police say a woman was abducted at the intersection of Avenue W just picked up right off the street. They're searching for a woman who's abducted off the street and thrown into a minivan early Friday morning. Police say the female victim was kidnapped by an unknown male suspect at the intersection of Avenue W and Stillwell Avenue around 1.45 a.m. The woman was described as being in her 20s with a light complexion and long hair. She is approximately 5'5 and weighs around 120 pounds. Right off the street, she was last seen wearing a striped shirt, blue skirt, and white sneakers. Police say the male suspect in his late 30s with a light complexion and facial hair. He's approximately 5'10 and weighs around 175. During the abduction, the suspect wore a black shirt, dark pants, and black sneakers. They have all kinds of video footage, of course. It's all blurry. In the, this day and age of technology, there's no reason for any video camera to be blurry. I mean, how the hell does that happen? I can get high def for 50 bucks. Where are they buying these cameras that they, they're surveying the public with? The New York Police Department has released photos of Friday morning's abduction. One shows a suspect with outstretched hands approaching the victim at an intersection. Police say the suspect fled northbound on Stillwell Avenue. The vehicle used in the abduction was a late model Toyota minivan with unknown registration. No further details were released and no arrests have been made as of Saturday. Of course, anybody within the sound of my voice, if you have any information about this abduction, you're asked to call New York Police Department's Crime Stoppers Hotline 1-800-577-8477. That is 1-800-577-8477.
Six people face murder charges for the Sweet 16 party massacre that left four dead and 32 injured. This happened in Dadeville, Alabama. Now, six people, including four teenagers, they've been arrested now and now face murder charges in connection with the deadly rampage at a weekend Sweet 16 birthday party in Dadeville, Alabama. Willie Brown Jr., Johnny Leighton Brown, 20, they're arrested and also charged with four counts of reckless murder. Wilson Lamar Hill, 20, was arrested Wednesday afternoon and faces the same charges. Tay McCullough, 17, and Travis McCullough, 16, were also arrested. And a 15-year-old from Tuskegee was arrested Thursday. With the exception of 15-year-old, the 15-year-old, the suspects were held without bond. The attack Saturday left four people dead and at least 32 others hurt, including at least 15 teenagers who suffered gunshot wounds. Given the injuries, more charges will be filed, and Ty McCullough and Travis McCullough will be charged as adults. We've still got four that are in the hospital, four that are in critical condition, and this is just the tip of the iceberg, said the district attorney. The carnage was one of at least 165 U.S. mass shootings, and mass shootings are, what, three or more or four or more? Yeah. Four or more shot is a mass shooting, so that's 165. You know, I'm interested in the number of mass killings. So a mass killing wouldn't, necessarily be with a gun it could be with an axe like we just heard about but it'd be four or more so what's what's the number for mass killings and that is a lot for shootings though with four or more shot excluding a gunman in the first four months of this year according to the gun violence archive but it's still not clear why the young victims were massacred oh i, I can tell you why It had to do with anger, possibly jealousy. And anger comes from a feeling that you've been wronged. A feeling that you've been wronged in some way. They say we can't get to a motive right now. That's part of the ongoing investigation. So I'm going to continue to look at this. As the story goes on. Now, this one freaked me out. This story here freaked me out. No, I'm not talking about Bud Light. Although I do have some information about that towards the end here. Uh, Cruise Line Jet... (laughs) Let me say that again. Cruise Line let passengers a body badly decompose and drink cooler after heart attack. Now... My wife and I were talking about going on a ship one of these days. No time soon and probably no time in this decade, but we were talking about taking a cruise sometime. Then I see this and I don't know. A late Florida man's 
Heartbroken families filed a $1 million lawsuit against Celebrity Cruises, claiming his body was improperly stored in a cooler. Instead of the ship's morgue, causing it to badly decompose. When Marilyn Jones' husband of 55 years, Robert Louis Jones, died of a heart attack aboard a Celebrity Equinox ship sailing through the Caribbean on August 2002-2022, she was promised by crew staff that his body would be kept safe in the ship's morgue. To her horror, the ship dock in Fort Lauderdale six days later, she learned that her 78-year-old husband's body had allegedly been kept inside a walk-in cooler, typically used to keep beverages cold. When the funeral services employees in Fort Lauderdale was brought onto the ship to retrieve Mrs. Jones' body, his body was not located in the ship's morgue. Instead, Mr. Jones had at some time, not yet known, had been moved from the ship's morgue to a cooler on a different floor than the ship's morgue. The cooler in which Mr. Jones' body was found by the funeral employee had drinks placed outside the cooler and was not at a temperature which was sufficient nor proper for storing a dead body to prevent decomposition. Funeral service workers from Fort Lauderdale found the body inside a blood-splattered bag on a pallet on the floor of the cooler after it became immediately clear that the body was in in advanced stages of decomposition and was never stored in a temperature appropriate to stop decomposition from occurring. As a result, his body became bloated and green, preventing his loved ones from having an open coffin funeral, which was a long-standing family custom and was what his family had desired. According to the filing from Wednesday, the bereaved widow was given two options by crew members after her husband had died during the cruise. Marilyn was told that the body could be taken off the ship when it was docked at their next stop in Puerto Rico or be placed in the ship's morgue until it returned to Fort Lauderdale six days later. According to the suit, she decided to have the body stored in the ship's morgue as she allegedly would have had to pay for transportation from Puerto Rico to Florida. It's an understandable choice. When the ship arrived back to Fort Lauderdale, a funeral home employee and a deputy from the county's sheriff's office were brought on board to to retrieve the body only to discover it wasn't where it was supposed to be. The family claims that if Celebrity had informed Jones of the out-of-service morgue, she could have chosen to get off in Puerto Rico with the body and potentially still had an open coffin service. The filing said Marilyn Jones, her two daughters, and three grandchildren are seeking a trial by jury. The reckless and careless actions and omissions of celebrity directly and approximately caused plaintiff's injuries because if plaintiff knew that there was not a working morgue on the ship, it would have had Mrs. Mr. Jones' body taken off the ship, the lawsuit claims. If the defendant's crew had either kept the morgue in proper working order or inspected Mr. Jones' body in the morgue with reasonable frequency, his body would not have decomposed to the point that it that a funeral director was unable to salvage his remains such that he could receive the open casket, funeral, and wake services. Most cruise ships have morgues on board because passenger deaths can happen during a voyage and vessel and are required to carry body bags. Morgues are located on ships' lower decks, generally along with the crew referred to as I-95, the long corridor that runs from one end of the vessel to the other. 
According to the lawsuit, there have been at least 37 deaths aboard celebrity cruise ships since 20, since 2001. That number is just a sample of the total cruise ship deaths reported yearly. 2020 study in the International Journal of Travel Medicine and Global Health found that between 2000 and 2019, there were 623 deaths reported on cruise ships. Interesting. The Equinox made its main voyages in 2009 and travels year-round between the Caribbean, the Bahamas, and the home port of Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Celebrity cruises could not immediately be reached by comment. Well, this is interesting. That many people die on a cruise ship. Uh, Now that I think about it, maybe going on a cruise ship and dying... Maybe that wouldn't be such a bad way to go. There's another Florida story from you. From you and for you. Florida DoorDash driver kidnapped and sexually assaulted during delivery. A man was arrested Friday. This is all from this week, by the way, in Tampa, Florida, on allegations of kidnapping. Hold on a second. and sexually assaulting a DoorDash driver who was attempting to make a delivery earlier this week. Oh, my God. Joseph Killens, 38, has been charged with armed kidnapping, robbery with a firearm, and armed sexual battery and aggravated battery with a weapon. Tampa police said in a new release Saturday, the attack took place around 11 p.m. on Tuesday at a residence in Hotel, where the female victim, who was in her early 20s, had exited her car to make a delivery. The suspect allegedly approached her with a gun, forced her back into her car, and told her at gunpoint to drive to Bellara Lake's apartments where he sexually assaulted her. At the time of the kidnapping and assault, the victim had her AirPods in and was on a call with her girlfriend who realized what was happening. Police said the family of the victim called police and then tracked her to her location using her phone. Wow, they did that fast. Maybe the family did. Okay, the family of the victim called police and they tracked her to her location with her phone. When the family arrived at the apartment complex, they rescued the victim from her car. Police said, but the suspect opened fire on them in the process. A family member of the victim's girlfriend, a woman in her 20s, sustained a gunshot wound, police reported. Let me read that again. A family member of the victim's girlfriend. The suspect then fled the scene. Both victims were taken to a hospital for treatment for non-life-threatening injuries. Police have also received and released information about an additional robbery killings is being charged with that took place on Wednesday, the morning after the attack on the DoorDash driver. Also at the Bolera Lakes Complex, in that incident, a woman in her 40s was punched and her backpack was stolen. Detectives working both cases eventually tracked killings to the Tampa Inn he was arrested Friday night. This criminal is now off the streets thanks to the tireless efforts of every Tampa Police Department and the assistance provided by members of our community. My thoughts remain with the victims. I hope this arrest brings them a sense of comfort knowing that he will now face justice for the crimes he chose to commit. I'm going to tell you right now, if you're thinking about going into the DoorDash profession, it doesn't matter if you're male or female, 
you really need to have some kind of protection. And I'm not talking weapons. I mean, I would use Air what Nike. I would use Google tracking tags on you if you have an Android phone. I would use Apple Air tags on you so people can find you if something happens to you. I really would. I would report in so often. I mean, you really got to be careful because I was investigating some murders. And if somebody, with this modern technology we have, if somebody is a predator, it would be really easy with the modern technology we have to do that. I mean, all they have to do is call DoorDash a few times, and a lot of women do DoorDashes. There's some open access right there. They can get you, they can DoorDash you to a place where there's no cameras to remote location. I mean, people have to think about that. This isn't a kind and nice world we live in anymore. And not that it has been for a while. But you have to be prepared for anything that might take your life. Because just about, there's a million ways to die. Not a thousand. And probably, there's probably a trillion ways to die. Here is an odd way to die. This happened in my my neck of the woods here in Texas. Six cattle found dead with their tongues missing. There was no evidence of struggle, footprints, or tire tracks. Do you hear that? This is significant if you know the area. Because where they keep cattle is soft ground. There would have been hoof prints. There would have definitely been footprints. Well, I'm sorry, there was hoof prints because that's where they were, but there definitely would have been footprints and there definitely would have been tire tracks. If any uh, terrestrial agent was involved in this. So there's no evidence of struggle, footprints or tire tracks where the animals were found in the grass around the carcasses was undisturbed. This is happening right now. The date on this is the 22nd of April. And what could be a pilot from an episode of X-Files? The authorities are investigating the mysterious deaths in three Texas counties of six cattle that were found with their tongues missing. I'll say that again. So this wasn't in the same place. In three Texas counties, ranchers found the mutilated remains of a six-year-old long horn cross cow on their property. The office did not say when the cow was discovered, but said a straight, clean cut with apparent precision had been made to remove the hide around its mouth on one side. The meat under the removed hide was untouched, and the cow's tongue was gone with no blood spilled. There were no signs of struggle, footprints, or tire tracks in the area. So the authorities who added that the grass around the carcass was undisturbed. Ranchers also reported that no predators or birds would scavenge the remains of the cow, leaving it to decay untouched for several weeks. In its investigation in Madison County, which is about 100 miles southeast of Waco, the office said it had learned of five other similar cases that involved four adult cows and one yearling in Brazos and Robert Counties. Each of these cases were reported in different locations, pastures, and herds. Though the exact cause of death for the livestock is unknown each of them was found the same way 
on their sides with the exposed part of their face cut along the jawline and their tongues removed. On two of the five cows, a circular cut was made, removing removing the anus and the external genitalia. The office said the circular cut was made with the same precision as the cuts noted around the jawlines of each cow. Similar deaths have been reported across the country, the authorities said, and the sheriff's office said it was coordinated with other agencies to find answers. The Madison County Sheriff's Office did not return calls seeking comment on Saturday. The latest cases recall livestock mutilations, including ones in the 1970s, that instilled fear among ranchers across the country. At least 11 states, including California, Montana, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin, reported finding dead livestock with their sex organs and tongues missing. At the time, nearly 200 cows as well as buffalo, a horse, and a goat were reported to have been found with parts of their carcasses removed. The unexplained discoveries inspired a groundswell of theories, with some blaming the killings on satanic cultists who were said to use the organs for sacrifices, while others attributed the mutilations to UFOs. Because no tracks were ever found in the 1970s mystery, one official suggested that a helicopter might have been used in the middle of the night. The authorities encouraged the federal government to look into the killings, but the investigation was eventually closed after falling after failing to turn up any evidence, which makes sense. More recently, in 2019, the authorities struggled to find answers to the discovery of at least five bulls that were found mutilated with their tongues missing in eastern Oregon. Now, how the hell would it be a helicopter? A helicopter. Let's think about that. A helicopter. What do you have somebody hanging by a bungee from their ankle with a scapula? And then how can a tongue be cut off with no blood splatter? Have you ever nicked your tongue and bled severely? It's an organ that bleeds a lot. Of course, the only way it wouldn't bleed is if the cow was dead first. This is interesting. I wonder if we're going to hear any more stories about this. I got another report on this. This is called Deep in the Heart of Texas, Six Cows... Death's super mysterious feels new alien theory. Half a dozen cows were found dead deep in the heart of Texas this past week, and some of the things that were done to their bodies are suggesting one culprit to some aliens. According to reports from Madison County Sheriff's Office, which is about an hour and a half north of Houston, detailed the mysterious tell Wednesday, including what had been done to the carcasses, like the removal of their tongues and flesh from parts of their faces. The strange thing about this, besides the fact that the same thing had been done to all six of the dead cattle, is that the sheriff's office there says there was no blood spilled or left behind. The story gets even weirder. Apparently, the dead cows each belonged to different herds from different pastures. I'll say that again. The dead cows each, so all six, belonged to different herds from different pastures, and they were all discovered a Texas highway that connects Madison County, Brazos County, and Robertson County. So they were found along the highway, which, I mean, 
if you know anything about cattle herds, usually the fence goes right up to the highway. And I see it there, yeah. In other words, it doesn't sound like any of these cows were found together. On the contrary, it seems that they were scattered separately along this remote and rural highway, but it is a highway. Nothing alien about traveling on a highway. Now, the kicker, the sheriff's office says two of the cows had even more damage done to them in a surgical-like manner, namely the removal of their genitalia and anuses, which MCSO describes as being carried out using a circular cut with the same precision as the cuts noted around the jawlines of each cow. Ranchers in the area also claim predatory scavengers would not touch these bodies. Somewhere out there for weeks. One last spooky factor, the grass around them supposedly looked undisturbed. And finally, Keep it quilted means you keep it. They're trying to sneak a commercial on me. This is Bud Light. I have news about Bud Light. You guys have been hearing about that Bud Light controversy. Well, I found this interesting, although I'm not. Ah, man, I can't. You can't not follow this. Um, Okay, let me talk. Let me get some of my Perrier water here. I'll give you my thoughts about this whole Bud Light controversy. So, it's controversial for many reasons. Dylan Mulvaney is a person who says they're trans but is facing a lot of backlash from the trans community because he decided to become a woman, a she, and document it on social media, I believe Instagram, and it's called Days of of Being a Girl, so it goes from day one to 300 and whatever she is now. But many see it as not a documentation of transitioning into a woman, but a, like a parody for for shock value, for Instagram follows and likes. Some people see it like that because of the way Dylan Mulvaney is acting is a parody of a woman. So people are having an issue with that. And here's the issues that goes with Bud Light. And again, these are the issues people have. Jerry doesn't give a damn. But here's the issue with Bud Light. Bud Light did not hire Dylan Mulvaney as a spokesperson, although some companies did, and there's some makeup companies, and there's uh, some clothing companies and apparel companies that have. Good for her. Bud Light actually did not, but they had an influencer campaign where they're having people that were influencers, which Dylan Mulvaney certainly would, would be because of the massive following. And Dylan Mulvaney filmed, self-filmed, you know, a commercial for Bud Light. And then everybody on both sides are losing their shit over it. Because it didn't seem like Bud Light would want, the brand would want Dylan Mulvaney advertising for them. Because, right, frat, I mean, really... Bud Light is a, it's not a good drink, all right? Let's just face it. It's cheap for them to make. It's horrible tasting. And usually just people, 
at college and frat houses and people that don't know anything about beer, you know, and Bud Light, uh, here's Bud, you know. Bud Light is something you'd bring to a party that you don't care about, you know. It's like, oh, I'm, I'm bringing the beer, all right, well, just here, whatever cheapest, crappiest, whatever. Bud Light, you're, you're lucky you didn't get Meister Brawl or something, which I actually heard was good, but who knows. So there's the controversy right here. Here's before I go into this, I want to let you know how I feel about it because you know, this is my show and maybe you want to know, I don't give a damn. I don't give a damn about Dylan Mulvaney. If she's a woman, if she's a man, I'm not interested in the entertainment Dylan Mulvaney provides. I'm even less interested in drinking a shit beer like Bud Light. I mean, let's be serious about it. If I'm going to drink a beer, damn sure isn't going to be that. All right, we don't drink Bud Light in Texas if you have money to buy anything else. But the reason why I'm reporting on this today is apparently Anheuser-Busch is rearranging its management of his Bud Light brand following a boycott by conservative drinkers, which is the ones that drink Bud Light. So they're losing money, apparently, because of this. Now, the headline of this says, Bud Light's marketing VP takes leave of absence in the wake of Dylan Mulvaney backlash. Now, it's interesting to me that there's been pictures released. There's been pictures, well, pictures released, stories released, video released of the VP of marketing drinking, uh, you know, beer in her frat days. And uh, it's just a whole mess. And and I guess the way Dylan Mulvaney is marketed is a TikTok trans activist. Okay, so let's get that straight. Let's listen to this report. in person were scary as hell big. but former levi's brand president jennifer say took on corporate squashing of free speech and resigned after levi's attempted to silence her about speaking out on covid lockdowns and she joins us right now jennifer always a pleasure to see you so there was first this very spongy uh, letter that was put out by the CEO of Anheuser Bush, Brendan Whitworth, and then the ad released about the same time. Is the damage done to the Bud Light brand and particularly the customer base? Is it reversible? You think? You know, I I think it is. I think people people are mad, and as you state, it was a non-apology apology. Leaders should lead, and when they've made a mistake and offended their customer base, he should apologize. He did not do that. He attempted to thread a needle, I guess, and 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 not anger um, a left-wing activist with the statement. Um, in in doing so, I think he kind of pleased no one. And then they came back with this ad as an attempt at a reset to say we are this all-American brand that brings people together. Um, look, Bud Light is a beloved brand. It's the largest share brand in the category. I think they're going to be okay, but I think it is a real failure of leadership, and it's going to take them a second to recover. So you said at the highest levels of, uh, of Levi's, what's happening in corporate America? Are they being sold by advertising companies that wokeism works, or 
Are they bringing in, you know, woke executives that are pushing these ideas that actually don't work with their customer bases? Yeah, I mean, the first rule um, in brand management and advertising is know your customer. Put the consumer first. And I think you have these sort of disconnected elites who are furthering politics and ideology. They don't like the actual consumer very much, and they decide that that consumer is ultimately replaceable. But the consumer votes with their wallet. You know, ultimately, you've got to respect a consumer that's willing to hand over their hard-earned cash for your product. Um, Certainly, they should represent the brand in a modern and updated way. They've lost consumers over the years, but this was not the way to do it. This was polarizing and divisive and showed a lack of respect for their actual existing fans. Well, well, the executives at these major corporations, Jennifer, be more careful and avoid hiring what I will call dangerous left-wing dipsticks because this, <laughs> because this one decision has shaved billions of dollars off of this company. And it seems like who was watching... A, Who was watching what these individuals were doing? I think no one was watching. You know, I believe that um, the VP of marketing probably made the decision on her own. It made sense. She's out of touch. All her friends agree with her um, in promoting this ideology, which says sex is assigned at birth, not observed. Um, I would argue the vast majority of Americans do not agree with that. And it was, you know, she also called her consumers fratty and out of touch. It's just disrespectful. It's rude. Um, I think brands are going to take a long, hard pause on promoting ideology and get back to supporting product and delivering profits for companies. I mean, normie capitalism, that's what I call it in my book. It's time to get back. Well, they can blame it on... And maybe it's true, I don't know, a TikTok trans activist Dylan Mulvaney in this whole, uh, who cares? But really, there's signs, and I've been talking about this, I've been talking about this, about shutdowns all across the United States, I've been a part of it, I'm telling you, there's people, influential people, I'm talking who work with the 1% that I've, I've had casual conversations with, and they'll tell you. And they just, you know, here it is. This is what's going to happen. Yeah. They all know we've been ready. And yeah. And they're just telling me a nobody. But I'm like, Jesus. This is going to affect us. They don't care. What they're doing is they're consolidating right now. Let me let me go over this again. There's going to be worse things coming up that, you know. Let me point my finger out like Babe Ruth. And tell you about things that are going to happen before they happen again. Like CNN will be shutting down. You will not recognize the way CNN looks in the future um here here's some things that have just happened buzzfeed has announced this shutting down it's shutting down the whole division and it's laying off 15 percent of staff shutting down as of three days ago um there you go uh buzzfeed had interesting content on youtube interesting content you know articles a lot of it was, you know, what they call wokeism again, but I don't think it has anything to do with wokeism. Um, more because more than fourteen hundred stores are closing across the United States, and these are retail in twenty twenty three. Here is a full list of some. All right, how about Foot Locker shutting five hundred forty five stores, Bed Bath Beyond four hundred sixteen stores, Tuesday morning two sixty five, Bath and Body Works fifty stores. 
Gap and Banana Republic. And guess what? You think this is going to also affect other, uh, the mall, man. This is emptying out the mall. Look at this. Walmart. Walmart is closing. Isn't that a sign of a your, the economy shrinking? And it's shrinking before your eyes. Unfortunately, you're a slave. If you're listening to this, you're a slave. And you're not privy to the information of the people that actually run this company, um, this company, which is what the United States is, or this country, all right? Uh, I can prove that. You go to the store, and you're trying to buy a loaf of bread, and you notice, wow, there's not as much bread as there used to be. And in, in where I live, you notice you only have, like, three different kinds of cheeses. That sounds funny, and look, I, I can't, there's, the coffee selection's not here anymore. And they changed the aisles and made them wider and took away rows of stuff. You're like, there's no choice anymore. What happened? Well, they didn't tell you about what's happening. That's your economy shrinking. That's your workforce, people that are actually employed in the companies that make things shrinking. And they designed, this isn't a mistake. They wanted to do this on purpose. They want to charge you more, give you less, because it's more control, which is something People in charge always want, right, more control. I mean, who wouldn't? Walmart is shutting down 22 locations, so not only are they shrinking your aisles, they're shrinking the whole amount of Walmarts in the United States. Also, Park City, did I say Park City? Party City, shutting down 12. 12 are up for auction, and another 10 will close. Best Buy closing 20 stores. 20 to 30 of its largest format stores. Amazon, hello. Amazon's laying off on mass now. Amazon laying off. How do you feel about that? Amazon, big lots. The real, real. I never heard of that before. I'm going to be honest. Macy's. You know what? I don't even know how Macy's can afford to do that parade. I know there's a lot of volunteers. Target. Three Metro Targets. A lot of these are, some of these are um, shutting down in riot areas. I mean, honestly, they are. Next, JCPenney. And I'll give you a list of more. Like, we're talking massive layoffs at Amazon, massive layoffs at YouTube. Oh, stand by. And they've already had massive layoffs at Facebook. So all that's happening. I'd like to thank you for tuning in. I hope you're a little bit more informed than you were later. My name is Jerry Adams. I'm a writer. I go over these stories every day and find the things that horrify me the most. And then I write about articles about them. You can check my website out at midnightrad.io. Thank you very much. And until next time, all my best. (laughs) 